Hello, you lovely people. Uh, this is Tyler Maybe, your humble commissioner. Uh, I thought I would do a quick recording to kind of do a brief overview of how fantasy MLS hockey, uh, soccer works. Sorry, I said hockey. We're in the middle of a hockey season right now as well. But, um, you know, this is just going to be a quick walkthrough. Quick is probably a relative term. Um, for the season that is supposed to kick off on Friday. Uh, so make sure that you get your lineup set after you listen to this and get all that inspiration uh, from my wise, wise words. Um, so yeah, let's let's dig into it. So in general, uh, fantasy soccer is very similar to regular soccer. You have a lineup of 11 players, uh, one goalie. Uh, we'll just go with the default formation of a 4-4-2. So four defenders, four midfielders, and then two forwards. Um, now this isn't the only formation that you can have in real life and also in fantasy soccer. Um, you can have anywhere between three to five defenders or three to five midfielders or one to three forwards, as long as the positions all add up to 11. Um, and I, I'll explain why this is important, uh, later on, but just know that there is some variability there in how you set your lineup. You don't have to stick with the four, four, two formation. Um, and on top of those starting 11, you will be required to have four substitutes on your bench. So one of each position, one goalie, one defender, one midfielder, and one forward. All right. So now that we have the basic ground rules set of what a roster looks like, let's talk about how you build your roster. Um, you originally are given a budget at the start of the season of $100 million. Um, these players values that you see on the right-hand side in the free agency, uh, they have to add up to a hundred million or they can be below a hundred million that you just can't go over. These player values are going to grow and shrink based off of their performances throughout the year at a max increment of half a million every week. Uh, the nice thing is here that if you have a lot of grower and showers, uh, that means that your overall budget of $100 million is going to increase. Um, that way, you know, if you're really good at picking those, uh, those players, in three weeks you might have a budget of $110 million, let's just say, which is great because now you can uh, spend it on more expensive players. But also keep in mind that other more expensive players have probably gotten more expensive in that time period as well. So it kind of all evens out. Um, in the grand scheme of things, but it's also a good strategy. Uh, this is not a strategy that I particularly focus on throughout the season. Uh, if my budget grows great, uh, if it doesn't, that kind of sucks, but you know, at least it's not shrinking. Um, and, and so I, I'm not really the right person to talk to about how, how to do, you know, budget growth strategies in fantasy soccer. And it's a lot more complicated than I think the majority of people in this league are really ready to dive into. So anyway, um, I digress. Now your players are going to lock just like in fantasy football. They're going to lock at the beginning of each of their games. So if you learn that there's an injury and the, uh, for one of your players in the afternoon, then you can go in real quick and flip him for another afternoon player if the morning games have kicked off, you just can't pick a morning game player to play or a Saturday game player versus a Sunday game player. Um, when picking players, it will be important to keep in mind the dot that appears to the right of their name on the right on, in the free agency list. So 
Green means that they're available, and red means that they are currently not slated to play in their games that week. Uh, and this can be due to injury, or it could also be due because they are called up to their international teams. Um, and, you know, there's actually a lot of international tournaments this year. So that's going to be something to uh, keep your eyes on. So like the Euro Cup is this summer, which is the uh, the, the start of World Cup qualifying for countries in Europe. And there are some European players that will leave to go play in those tournaments. And also on the other side of things, you're going to have Olympic qualifiers for the United States that kick off. There's the Gold Cup tournament. You have the Olympics that are going on. All of these things can lead to um, some, some players in MLS disappearing. Unfortunately, for the Americans, we don't, we will not be in the Olympics this year because uh, Honduras screwed us in uh, the uh, CONCACAF ch- uh, qualifying tournament that occurred a couple weeks ago. Um, and this will be the third Summer Olympics in a row that the U.S. team will not be in because, you know, our U23 team sucks. But again, I digress, and we can discuss that at a later point in time. All right, so you've gone through... You've got your budget. Uh, you've set up your lineup. You think it's pretty awesome. You've got 11 players. Um, now, the last choice that you have to make is who is going to be your captain. You have to have someone out there that is going to wear the C-band for you going into the game. Now, the nice thing about this is that at the end of the game, whoever you designated as your captain, their total points are going to double. So let's say you pick Carlos Vela. He goes out there, puts in a 10-point performance, um, and you captained, captained him. That means he's now got 20 points for you, which would be phenomenal. That'd be really great, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, so I guess this is kind of an important thing because, you know, we are allowed to have very similar rosters depending upon how the week is going. And so really, if, you know, let's say I'll just pick on Emily. If Emily and I have the same exact roster – but she picks, you know, not Carlos Vela to be her captain, and I do, and her captain only scores, like, five points, that's going to be the deal-breaker between who wins between the two of us. So the captain piece is pretty important. You kind of want to make sure you give it to one of your, probably, I would say, $9 million budget player or above, um, and you really want to make sure they are, like, a lock to score a lot of points. Usually that means... There are nine million and above, and they're playing a really shitty team. Um, and I, I'll dig into the shitty teams uh, in a little bit for you. Um, the next thing to keep in mind uh, that you'll see in Major League Soccer is teams can play two games in a week. And the nice thing about this is that you now have two chances to score as much points as possible. Um, it used to be that they added up those scores, but it was really unfair because, you know, two, two scores versus one score is always going to win. Um, so now they just take the highest score of the two games for your player. And that is a score that will be counted towards your overall score. Um, this, this is only a big deal because if you're, if you forget to set your lineup Tuesday going into a double game week then it's not, it's not over. Don't worry about it. You just won't be able to pick players from uh, teams that kicked off on Wednesday. Um, so you could set your, if you go in and, and, oh shit, it was a double game week and now we're sitting at Thursday or Friday. Don't, don't give up. You can go in there and set a lineup. You just might not have 
every player available to you. Um, but you will still have quite a bit and you can definitely create a roster out of those uh, players. Um, so yeah, that's kind of just a quick overview. I know that went really fast. Um, it may or may not have been helpful, but I, I like to think that I'm helpful. So if you have any questions about that particular piece, you know, you know, ask it in the group chat or, you know, you can give me a call and I can try to walk it, walk you through it. Um, or, you know, I'm happy to host a, a, a watch party for any soccer team that you want. I, ha- I do have ESPN plus and, uh, I am always watching soccer during soccer season from like any games. So Saturday through Sunday, I'm, I'm watching as much soccer as physically possible as my wife rolls her eyes at me from the other couch in the other room. Um, anyway, let's talk about some strategy. So we, we know that you have to pick 11 players, but what, like what players should you pick? I mean, I'm not going to go out there and tell you, you know, this is exactly who you need to grab. But I thought maybe I've already actually set my lineup for this coming opening weekend. Um, but I, I'll give some generalities and then I'll also kind of walk through my lineup um, for this week just to, you know, just to put it in perspective and kind of steer you whether or not you're on the right path. Of course, I could be completely wrong. And also my lineup, I, I reserve the right to change it after after you listen to this. Um, generally speaking, you want to pick players that are on good teams, right? No shit, Tyler. Um, But also you want to avoid players that play on really bad teams. No shit, Tyler. Of course, there are players that exist on both of these spectrums that won't play or are actually very good on a weaker team. And that's, I mean, that's just something you learn eventually. But general rule of thumb, you want to pick players from strong teams such as Columbus Crew. They won the MLS Cup last year. Uh, they are very, very good. They they seem to have gotten better this offseason. So Columbus Crew would be a good team to use to build a ro- like your roster around. Now, I should also say, when you're building your roster, you can only have three players total in your roster from one given team. So you can't just load up on all 11 crew players and call it good. You can only have three Columbus crew players. That that way it mixes you around the league. You have to pull from all over uh, the place. Um, Another great team to look at is the Philadelphia union. They actually won the support shield uh, last year, which means that they had the highest amount of points at the end of the season points are three points for a win. One point for a tie and zero points for a loss. Um, however, I will throw out, they did lose two of their best players to uh, selling them onto the international market. So, you know, I would maybe hedge your bet a little bit in these early couple of weeks just to see who shows up for them. Uh, but in general, they're a very good team. They've always had a historically strong uh, manager and um, recruiting presence. So, I wouldn't necessarily think that they're going to fall off the ends of the earth and just disappear and become a terrible, terrible fucking team. Um, another couple teams to watch, uh, I'll say LAFC. They've never really won anything, but uh, they do have Carlos Vela, who's like one of the best players in MLS. Diego Rossi, who was the golden boot winner, the most goals scored last season. He's also very good. Uh, although these two players can subtract from each other because they both are so good sometimes it's either one or the other, just depending on, you know, fate that day. Um, 
I'll say, you know, they they have a good defender in Eddie, uh, Seguin. Uh, they also have Atuesta in the midfield. He's very good. Um, LAFC are stacked. You can't, you usually cannot go wrong picking an LAFC player on your roster. And bonus points is that they get to play the Austin Trees, as uh, Chelsea called them in our group chat this week, uh, which is our the first or the expansion team this year. Uh, and generally speaking, expansion teams are terrible, and especially in their first game. So might be smart to load up on three LAFC players going into this weekend. Other teams to watch, uh, Seattle Sounders. Um, they're usually pretty good. Ra- Raul Rui Diaz is their lead striker and is incredible. And same with Nico Lodero, who's a midfielder, also incredible. Um, I will begrudgingly say that Portland is a pretty good, solid pick of players. Uh, they also play Vancouver this week, which is uh, it's a good matchup. I'll just say it that way. Um, and then finally, I'll throw out the Minnesota United is a good team. They generally have strong players. I will, but caveat that with that this weekend they play the Seattle Sounders. So this is a good example of, you know, two really good teams playing together or playing against each other. They were, there will be good players. Uh, there will be good points to be had from these two teams, but it's not as set in stone about who is going to dominate, who's going to take home the points. So for me, that's a team that um, I, that's a matchup that I'm kind of leaning towards avoiding this week, just because they're both really, really good. Um, some of the weaker teams. So these are players that or teams that you should avoid uh, picking players from, but uh, inversely, if, if you are looking for players, find teams that are playing these teams, because usually that means good things are ahead for you. So FC Cincinnati, absolutely a dumpster fire since they've come into this league. They've been around for about two years. This is their third year. Um, literally they've been through like, a hundred coaches in that time period. Um, they are literally a, a dumpster fire. I, I, I picture them a dumpster that has been set on fire by every MLS team that walks into their stadium and just beats the living hell out of them. Um, I will say also they've gone through the off season actually seem to be trending in a positive direction, but you know, it's only time will tell how they, how they turn out. Um, the next dumpster fire to kind of, you know, watch out for or look for in, in opposition would be the Montreal impact. They lost their head coach suddenly uh, at the end of January, beginning of February, right before uh, training started. And so they've had to switch gears really quickly around tactics. And I don't think they are going to be very good, at least at the beginning of the season. So uh, Toronto, I think, plays them in week one. So it might be a good thing to go out and pick up three Toronto players that are playing against Montreal Impact. Um, RSL, uh, which is Real Salt Lake out of Utah. This is also a dumpster fire team, and I, I'm happy to see them as a dumpster fire team because Colorado has taken that for so long. And finally, in the Rocky Mountain Cup, uh, our biggest rivals, Real Salt Lake, are going to be absolutely horrific to watch this year. And I just hope to God that Colorado trounces them like 30 to nothing uh, this season, because I mean, they it's, a, it was a whole thing. 
if you don't follow it, um, which I'm sure most of you didn't, the owner of this team uh, during COVID fired like all of the front office people uh, because of budget constraints in the same week that this millionaire went out and bought a collector's coin for like hundreds of millions of dollars. Not a good look. And then on top of that, after he angered all of his staff, um, coincidentally, not coincidentally, a bunch of news stories started dropping about how this guy was a bigot and a racist and a misogynist and how toxic the work uh, environment was. And MLS, to their credit, stepped in and said, hey, jackass, you can't own a soccer team anymore. Um, and so he announced that he was selling the team. No one has bought the team. So their finances are kind of all over the place. Um, they're going to be a very big mess. I just, I'm going to throw that out there. Anybody playing RSL, you can, you can grab three players from them this season and uh, you can feel pretty confident about it. The next team is uh, Vancouver. Uh, they've been at the bottom of the Western Conference for a very long time now. I think they're getting comfortable down there. And nothing uh, I have seen makes me think that they're going to really improve this year. They do have a couple new strikers. Um, you know, I would say that they're probably the stronger of these weaker teams, but I, I wouldn't be going out and picking up Vancouver players. I would might, I might be, when I say that, I might be watching who they are playing and maybe pumping the brakes on picking up a ton of, I think this week they're playing Portland. Um, I do have a couple Portland players because, you know, Vancouver is terrible, but you know what? I could be bitten by that. You, we don't really know it's the beginning of the season. Vancouver could be completely new and, and improved. Uh, I'll next team I'll throw out there is Austin FC. I had mentioned before they're an expansion team this year. Um, generally speaking, expansion teams are horrific in their first year. I mean, I mean, FC Cincinnati, like I said, was new two years ago, and they still are trying to get their their feet underneath them entering this league. Um, Minnesota United, when they entered the league, were giving away goals uh, like the, it was candy on the corner. I mean, they were they had like a goal differential of like negative thirty or negative twenty by the end of the season. They were terrible defense. Um, and you know what? I just there's a lot of hype around Austin. I just don't expect them to be good, especially at the beginning of the season. So it might be good to cash in on them right now. Like they play LAFC in the first week, which that is a daunting matchup for even the most seasoned team. Uh, so yeah, LAFC versus Austin should be a points show for LAFC. Go grab three of them. Uh, the next team I'll bring up is the other LA team, which is the LA Galaxy. Um, their defense is literally uh, some of the worst defenses in the league. Um, so, you know, they can go out there and score. They have Chicharito, who is a very famous Mexican national team player. Um, in my opinion, he's a, a lot overrated. Uh, he hasn't really contributed to anything. So in a while now, um, and he's definitely not worth the price tag in fantasy soccer, but you know what? If you like Chicharito, maybe then, Prove me wrong. Uh, but I will say the Galaxy are going to be a team that win like three to two or four to four to three. You know, like there's going to be a lot of goals in the Galaxy games. So don't pick Galaxy defenders, but maybe pick Galaxy attackers. 
uh, don't pick whoever their opponent is, their defense, but you could pick up their offense. And and I, I'm hedging my bets a little bit about what I said. I, the Galaxy's attack was non-existent last year, but I just assume because they have this prestige around their club that that last year was an anomaly and they're going to get better. Um, but who knows? Uh, the last team I'll throw out about uh, tire fires are the Houston Dynamo. Um, so the Houston Dynamo, they've gone through a coaching change. They were really, really old for a long time. Um, and they're kind of like in this rebuilding phase where they're bringing in younger players, trying to teach a new strategy, like system and tactics. And it's going to take some time. So in the meantime, take advantage of that and pick anybody that is playing Houston because they do have extremely good attacking. Um, you know, I would be okay with picking up a Darwin Quintero, for example, as who's their lead striker. Um, but I would probably stay away from their defense. They've just never, they've never proven to be able to stop anything uh, on their back line. So I just mentioned 13 teams. There are 27 total teams in MLS. And so you might be asking, well, hey, what about the other 14? And mo most importantly, where are the Colorado Rapids? <clears throat> and, and I will say that this, this 14 teams are kind of like they're the wild cards of MLS. You know, they're not, they don't have sustained success. They can be a bit spotty. You know, one week they're winning five to zero. The next week they've lost three to zero. Um, I mean, the San Jose earthquake is one of these teams. Like they would win against teams seven to one. And then the following week they turn around and lose six to zero. So they're just kind of all over the place. They're hard to pick. They're also prime candidates to rise up uh, the quote unquote power rankings or drop to weak garbage teams uh, like the other teams I mentioned. We just really don't know what they're going to look like. Um, I, I would say yes. Unfortunately, uh, I will admit that the Rapids fall right into this wild card category, and it's it's really hard to, you know know what we're going to be getting mainly because the Rapids pick up really, really young players. And so if their young players can rise to the, uh, rise to the occasion, then they're a great team to pick players from like Cole Bassett is one of our midfielders. He's was, uh, he's slated to be one of the top assist producers this year, which means goals have got to be coming from somewhere, but he's also a team that, uh, sorry, he's also a player that is looking to be sold in the middle of the summer um, so that the Rapids can cash in on his value now while he's producing at a, at a high level. Um, I'll, you know, I'll also, there's some teams that I've heard a lot of buzz about, but if you follow MLSsoccer.com, they're a little bit, uh, I'll throw it out there as an East Coast bias. So they talk big hype about the New England Revolution, uh, Orlando City, um, and I just, I mean, I just don't agree with them just mainly because I, I would, they have to prove it to me that they're going to be a good, Orlando was great last year, but they loaned out their lead striker to, uh, the English championship and he's catching that league by storm right now. Uh, and he probably won't return. They're probably going to sell him. So wait, I mean, what does this team look like? I don't really know. Um, the other team that like everybody is hot on that had a terrible 2020 season because their lead striker tore his ACL um, is Atlanta United. Um, so all like there's the 
ridiculous amount of hype that exists around Atlanta United. Their fans are obnoxious. Uh, the pundits are obnoxious talking about them. They're basically the Dallas Cowboys of uh, Major League Soccer um, or like the Green Bay Packers. Just obnoxious fans and haven't really won much. I mean, they've they've only been around for three or four years, so they don't have like that high pedigree, but you know, they've had a couple of really great seasons and they've just never been terrible until last year. I'll just say that um, if they return to relevance, there's going to be a sub- subsequent obnoxiousness that arises from news articles you read about soccer and also um, the amount of like uh, fandom that just, just circles this team. It's, it's terrible. Um, like I said, I just don't see it for some of these teams, but I also am choosing to ignore, willfully ignore it for the others in terms of their success for 2021. Um, of course, like I said, all of this could go out the window once the season starts. Teams that we think are going to be really great turn out to be garbage. Um, and other teams that we think are gar- going to be garbage could flip it around and all of a sudden have an amazing breakout year. Um, we just really don't know. I will say another really great point while you're building your roster is to know that in MLS, a lot of the advantage lies in the home team. So it's not a sure bet that the home team will win all the time. Otherwise, why are we even playing this sport? But it is, it's, a, it's a little bit riskier to pick players from a visiting team than it is from um, a home team. Now, I would, ta- I would caveat that with the strong versus the weak side of this is the more important factor to watch. But if you know if you have two wild card teams that are playing each other, so like FC Dallas and Colorado are week one, I would consider both of those wild card teams. To FC Dallas is at home, so I would say in general that FC Dallas would have a slight advantage over Colorado players. Um, this is not always right, um, but it's just kind of a rule of thumb that I I follow. Um, now. So like let's let's go through my lineup real quick because I, I think it points out a couple of these uh, strong teams versus weak teams. So in goalie I have uh, Westberg who plays for Toronto as my starting goalie. Goalies are generally cheap; they're not over like six million dollars. I don't think Montreal knows how to score yet, so I'm hoping I'm banking on a clean sheet from him. Um, I mentioned LAFC, so going to my defense I have Segura who uh, is one of the lead center backs for LAFC taking on Austin. I have Mabiala who's taking on Vancouver. He plays for Portland, uh, strong, strong center back. Um, I, the next one I have is Daniel Lovitz. He plays for Nashville. Who's uh, playing FC Cincinnati. So I think that maybe FC Cincinnati uh, can do really well. Uh, I'm just going to go through my definitive. Like these are guys that I I like, and then I'm going to explain a, a, another strategy that we can play, and then I can talk about the rest of my roster. At midfield, I have uh, Alejandro Pozuelo. Uh, Pozuelo plays for Toronto. Um, again, playing Montreal, I think that's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, so anyway, uh, the next player that I have in midfield is Carla Hill. Uh, he plays for 
the New England Revolution. Um, if you're looking for him, his last name is spelled G-I-L, Heel. Uh, he plays for New England Revolution. They're slated to be one of the better teams this year. They're playing the Chicago Fire, who historically have not been a great team and also know to know how to make a serious blunder in the last 15 minutes to lose the game for themselves. Um, but he's a fantastic midfielder. Um, and, you know, I just, I like the idea of him playing Chicago. I don't know why. Uh, the next one I have is another Portland player uh, in Yimmy Chara, who again is playing Vancouver. I think that Yimmy came on strong towards the end of the season last year after many months of Portland fans, correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, thought that he was a big waste of money and that he was going to be a dud in the league. And all of a sudden he started showing, showing up and showing why Portland went out and got uh, the brother of the dirtiest player in MLS known as Diego uh, Chara. Um, and then I also have Carlos Vela as my starting forward alongside uh, Barich, who plays for Chicago. Vela again, Atlanta. So you can see I have uh, three Atlanta players, or at least I think I do. Nope, only have two. But, you know, Atlanta, or sorry, LAFC players can be quite expensive um, because they're so good. But Vela and um, Segura are two really good choices as they go up against Austin. Um, Barich is the leading scorer for Chicago. So if anybody's going to do well on Chicago, it's probably going to be Barich, uh, who puts one in the back of the net. Um, so yeah, that's, those are my like solid players that you could look into for your starting 11. Obviously I didn't, it didn't add up to 11 yet, but I'll talk about uh, that in just a second. So uh, to a certain extent, you have, you know, your solid players. Um, I would say, you want nine solid players out on in your starting 11. Now there's a, a strategy out there that's called the switcheroo. And um, you can either have a single switcheroo or a double switcheroo. Uh, and, and the switcheroo basically revolves around gaming the system um, to your advantage. And what do, I, what do I mean by that? I mean that the system, the MLS soccer website, is going to try to give you 11 starting players with points on, on every week. So if you have two players that don't play that you put into your starting 11, then the system will automatically look to your bench and then pick the two highest scoring players from your bench and put them into your points. So how do you use this to your advantage? Um, well, let's say you have two players that you're kind of interested in to see how they do um, or three players that you kind of are interested to see how they do. They're kind of that like mid price point. They're like the seven to maybe $5.5 million. They don't consistently perform, but they can have big days and they can have really big busts. So you're not confident in starting them. They're not your confident nine, um, but you, you would like to see what happens with those, those other players. So, for example, I have on my bench, I have Metanier, who plays for Minnesota. Uh, he's a very strong defender, uh, oftentimes is involved in the crossing and assists for Minnesota, so he can get points from assisting. Um, but I'd, he, they're playing Seattle. So, like, you know, again, two really good teams playing against each other. I know the points are going to come from somewhere. I just don't know where. 
uh, and I think Metnair might possibly score. So I put him on my bench. And then Samuel Piet, who plays for Montreal. Again, Montreal is a tire fire, but Piet can sometimes have good games. Uh, I don't think that Toronto is necessarily extremely strong in the midfield because they have Michael Bradley, who has been playing soccer since like 1996 and is old as dirt and still captains the U.S. men's national team on occasion. Um, and then they also have just a really weak defense. Um, so I can I could see a potential where Piet gets in the open and scores a goal. And one goal can be a good amount of points for you out there um, on the bench. Uh, so I put him there, but I'm not riding him in my starting 11, knowing that he's going to do well. Finally, my other substitute is Andre Shinashiki, who is one of the strikers for the Colorado Rapids. Um, they're playing Dallas. Again, two wildcard teams. Colorado is away. Goals have to come from somewhere. Shinashiki is an explosive player, um, but he's also can struggle to find the game sometimes and can be can disappear rather quickly. Also, I, if you asked me, gun to my head, who was going to start at center forward for the Colorado Rapids, I have no clue. I think it's probably Diego Rubio, probably. Um, and then we have two wingers, but I don't know who's going to start at the wing, winger position. And Shinishiki is one of those candidates. So if he plays, great. If he subs in, also great. Um, he could get a good amount of points. He's good at scoring goals in the last 15 minutes. Um, he is a very, very strong character player he won rookie of the year two years ago um so you know he's got he's got that pedigree he's got that potential but again i'm not banking on him being in my nine like strong strong nine so i have these three players on my bench that i think could potentially do something how do i get them to play well i know there's a player called ollie laraz who plays for the colorado rapids he's a rookie and we've loaned him out to the Colorado switchbacks for the season. So I know he's not going to play ever. Um, and he's $4 million. So I took Laraz and stuck him in uh, to my starting 11. Um, another player is this guy named Halsey uh, from Real Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake aren't even playing this week. So you could put two Real Salt Lake players in uh, that are super, super cheap and know that you're guaranteed to have a zero points from them. Um, so Halsey... Uh, who apparently is a singer on the side. I don't really know about that um, career choice between singing and soccer. Um, but you know what? Here we are. Uh, so Halsey and Laraz are my two like switcheroo players that I put on the bench. Or sorry, that I put in my 11. So then the system will pull from my bench the top two scorers. Um, now you have to have a substitute goalie. Um, only one goalie points. So when the system is looking for those starting 11, at no point are you going to be able to have two goalies that score for you. Um, some players like to play a technical switcheroo here. It's very complicated. I'm not going to go into it. I guarantee you most people in our league are not going to be paying that close of attention to try to do this strategy. If you do care about it, feel free to message me and I can try to explain it to you. Um, basically, I find the substitute goalie position kind of worthless. So I just put a $4 million player in there in order to maximize my budget everywhere else on my roster. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my starting, that's my starting lineup for this coming week for now. Um, feel free to copy it if you want, but um, you know, 
I might change it. Who knows? Who really knows? Um, the other thing I'll throw out there real quick before. Uh, so again, the switcheroo thing, I just want to, let's wrap this up real quick. So the switcheroo thing, um, this is the two players. So if you have a defensive switcheroo in there, it's not going to take the defensive sub. It's going to take any of the three players, which then goes back to what I was saying earlier about having anywhere between three and five defenders, three and five midfielders, or one to three forwards. Um, it will, it will just take two of your subs. So you could end up not having a four, four, two at the end of the week. You could end up having a, a five, three, one, or sorry, a five, uh, three, two, or a, um, a three, three, four, you know, it, it, it'll just depend. And also if you have, you can also play with your lineup and have two switcheroos that exist in midfield. If there's like no good choices in there. You don't have to split your switcheroos between different positions. They could be both your forwards. They could be two of the four midfielders. You know, it could be wherever you want. Um, it does not work for goalies. I will reiterate that. You cannot use a switch. It will not substitute a switcheroo goalie of zero points for a field player. It has to point a goalie. So if you try that, it will try your substitute goalie, um, which well, then, you know, if you do what I do, it'll score you zero points. But it's, it'll, at the end of the day, you know, don't, don't count on the goalie to be your switcheroo in this situation. Um, it will only take field players for this to work. Um, if you get caught with three players scoring zero, you will have one zero in your score, um, unless multiple players score zero points and the switcheroo just doesn't work for you. Um, I'll, in terms of captainship, um, if you put your captain mark on one of your switcheroo players, it's locked onto that switcheroo player. So it doesn't, the, the C does not move to the highest scoring player on your bench. It stays there. So it is not a good idea to captain one of your zero switcheroo players. Just going to throw that out there. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. I think I, I think I can wrap it up here. Um, you know, I'll throw out there, I am happy to be a resource for you. If you, if you, uh, have some questions about your lineup for the first couple weeks, um, to get you comfortable. Oh, I know. Remember what I was going to say. There is a button. If you're just like, I fucking can't do this this week. I just need to put a lineup in. I don't really care who shows up. Um, uh, there is a button called auto fill on, uh, MLS fantasy and it will, automatically create a roster for you. Um, I don't think it's going to be a good one, but it will fill in players that it meets your budget limit exactly to a point, or at least within half a million of your budget. Um, so if you click that autofill and you're just like, screw it, I don't want to learn about soccer. I'm just doing this to humor Tyler. Um, I don't want him to know that I don't really give a fuck. You can push that autofill every week. And you'll get a team. So I'm just going to throw that out there as a little bonus. If you've listened this far into the podcast, I thank you. And uh, that is my gift to you. I will throw out there a couple of resources besides me. Um, MLS Soccer produces rankings every week for each of the positions. It's usually a pretty one, to, pretty good one to go into because they will rank players um, even with their 
budget number. So like there might be a $7 million defender that is on a hot streak and is playing a garbage team that you didn't even think of, but is in the top five of defenders. And you can be like, oh, that's great. I can use him um, and then build a roster around him because things add up very quickly. You're not going to be able to get a ton of $10 million players in your lineup. Uh, You will have to kind of comb the depths for those like six to $7 million players in order to, you know, fulfill your roster requirements. Um, And if you're a really big nerd, um, I really suggest there's a podcast out there called MLS fantasy insider. Um, This is really, really great to listen to. Um, They're pretty, they're pretty dynamic. They kind of run through players every week and who their lineup is and who they suggest. Um, Actually, I think that they help write the stuff on MLSsoccer.com, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Uh, I will hold it against one of the guys on there. He is a real Salt Lake fan, which is, you know, unacceptable at this point in time. There's just so many better teams out there. Uh, I would, I would welcome him, him into the Colorado Rapids fan club because we always be repping. Um, but yeah, that's it for, that's it for now. Um, shoot me a text or give me a call. If you have any questions, I hope, I hope that this was helpful. Um, and maybe it wasn't, I, I don't, I don't really know, but, um, I just spent about 45 minutes on this. So hope you enjoy. Let me know what you think. Uh, let's, let's go out there and have some fun this week. Um, I know I will always be repping and I hope that you will as well. So go Rapids. Uh, welcome to MLS soccer. Um, if you're interested in watching some games, let me know. Uh, if you're vaccinated, you are welcome to come over and watch them at my crib, as the kids say. Um, like I said, I have ESPN Plus. So if you're a displaced uh, San Jose Earthquakes fan, you are more than welcome to come over and I will barely watch a San Jose Earthquakes game. Uh, you, actually, they're pretty fun to watch. So yeah. All right. Anyway, I've rambled. Let's get out of here. Signing off for now, your humble commissioner. This is Tyler. Let's do that soccer. Always be repping. Goodbye.